I'm supposed to be asleep in bed right now. But you're listening to Popcorn and Pod People Podcast. to Popcorn and Pod People, a brand new podcast that explores the best and worst movies from both yesteryear and today. What 2014 movie was mostly improvised, centers around only two actors, and features a wolf mask that goes by the name Peach Fuzz? If you said Ginger Snaps, Twilight, or Meatballs 3, you're wrong. If you said Creep, starring Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce, you're right. Before we get going, I want to let you know that Creep is streaming on Netflix. You might want to watch it before you listen to the podcast because we will be discussing spoilers. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jason. Is it tubby time? It's tubby time. (laughs) (laughs) We watched Creep. Uh, Wait, before we get started, we need to uh, hit up some housekeeping because we have a review, a new review to read. Yeah. It's by, it's on iTunes by Ega73. No, no, I don't think you're saying that right. How am I supposed to say it? Ega! Ega! 73. Ega! <laughs> I'm assuming that's a reference to the movie Ega that Mystery Science Theater covered, the classic show. Oh, is it? Uh huh. They, um, they covered one called Ega! I am oblivious. It was a caveman movie. It says, well done and very funny. Great balance between humor and more serious discussion of the film's backstory and trivia. Give them a listen. Five stars. Thank you, Ega73. Or Ega73. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, go and review us on iTunes. We, it, you know, it helps other people find us and we do appreciate or it. Or just give us the stars. Just give us the stars. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be super motivated or... Prolifically vociferous. <laughs> exactly. Um, we don't have any emails to read, but if you would like us to read your email, email us at popcornandpodpeople at gmail.com. And we're going to read that bad boy on the on the show unless you ask us not to. But we really don't want you to ask us not to. There was that one time that person asked us not to read. But it was, oh. just, a, it was just a smear campaign. <laughs> Jason's joking. Nobody's emailed us. We want an email. We want some feedback from you guys. Okay. We feed off negativity. No, 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 no. Don't give them ideas. We feed off positivity. Control this shit. No. Don't. Please don't. I'll cry. You don't want me to cry. I ugly cry. It's not good. Tears of laughter. No. (laughs) I'm sensitive. (laughs) Okay. Take a pill. Yeah. Rub some cream on it. (laughs) Put some tussin on it. Okay, we mentioned this in the last episode, but it's worth mentioning again. We have t-shirts at tpublic.com, and there's a link to our storefront on the website shop page, as well as a link to buy buttons. I know I seem like I would be biased about this, the whole t-shirt deal, Mm -hmm. because I'm part of the podcast, Mm -hmm. but I really thought they would look stupid and hokey, and I was actually very impressed with the quality of the t-shirt from tpublic. I'm sorry, what? You thought our t-shirts looked like shit online? No, I thought they would come out looking oh. <laughs> stupid. Like the quality. I just kind of like expected one of those iron-on transfers oh. that you get like, from a box of cereal. No, that's why I went with Tee Public because I've actually bought a t-shirt from 
for another podcast on tpublic.com. So they, they specialize in podcasts? No, but another podcast that I like uses them. And the t-shirt is soft and nifty, so I thought, well, I'll use, you know, we'll use them. I think people podcast because they want to be in bands, but one, don't know how to play an instrument, or two... They know how to play an instrument, but don't want to go outside. You know what? That's where you're wrong, Sassy McGee, because I do not want to be in a band. <laughs> well, sure, you'd say that. On the podcast? <laughs> You've tried to get me to be in a band before. I'm just going to say this, people. Jason and I, when we sing together, we sound like a choir of angels. Oh, yeah, she builds us It's up. true. Yeah. It's like our voices just naturally harmonize. We have sung together. We used to have a little two-person music thing going called Sad Pandas. Aces to you if you get that reference. Right, right in. Right in if you do. I want to see We're who like gets it. bread and it. butter. Bread and butter. I mean, what's the only thing that could improve bread and butter? Jelly. More butter. <laughs> and you, when we sing together, I just said jelly. it's like more butter. It's true. It is like more butter. We, it's wonderful, but I don't like to sing in front of people. It makes me scared. <laughs> so I can't do a band with Jason, but I don't want to be in a band. I just love podcasts and I wanted to start one because I like talking about this stuff. Anywho. Creep. No, we're not there yet. We also have bumper stickers as a reward for our $10 a month patron, Patreon supporters. I think anyone. If you... If you plug into the Patreon, you're getting a sticker. You know what? You're probably, if you do any amount, I'm going to mail you a sticker. So Jason's right. At this point, if you send us an email. At this point, if you send me an email, I'll mail you a sticker. (laughs) Because I want to get these stickers rotating. They're really cute. They're free. They say, I'm an official pod person and have our website in teeny letters underneath that. Official pod person. OPP. OPP. Who's not down with OPP? You know me. You know me. <laughs> Come on, girl. You need some coffee. Who's down with OPP? Me. Every last home me. Oh boy. <laughs> that's how the song goes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all the housekeeping I have. Oh, I don't know if you guys know this, but after each episode, I post an extensive, I make an extensive list of show notes for each episode. So anything that we reference during the episode, for instance, just now we mentioned OPP. So you're going to have a music video for the OPP song on the next show notes. So give me a few days. (laughs) Interesting plug. I just want people. I mean, I work hard on those show notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes me several hours. So I want people to go look at them. And I try to make them entertaining. It's not just a a rote list. I I try to. I make them entertaining. You keep me engaged. And I'm one of those lazy people that ignores most stuff. Stop it. Do you you read my show notes? I do. You swear? Yeah. (gasps) Penis swear? Penis swear? Like when we touch penises? I don't have a penis. We're both naked right now, and I can clearly see it. Well, like always. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're pushing into We're going there. It's it's late. I always say that. It's late to us because we're old. Okay. We're not that old. We're just sort of old. If you're older than us, you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we watched Creep 2014. Mark Duplass. Duplass. Duplass? Duplass? How do you say his name? 
I'm waiting to have that personal conversation where he'll clarify that. Man, I wish he would call us. Is he us. Canadian? He seems Canadian He does me. have a Canadian vibe about him, doesn't yeah. he? I imagine like if we were at a bar and we both got carded, that he would pull out a Canuck card. And that he would greet you by saying, A? Eh? Yeah. He has this kind of like go lucky, come what may vibe, as if he has social medicine. He does. You know, like, like kind of carefree. Yeah. If I break my leg, it's covered. I mean, he lives in California, Southern California, as far as I know. Hmm. But that doesn't mean he wasn't born in Canada. Mark Duplass, please email us at popcornandpodpeople at gmail.com and let us know if you're Canadian or not. If you want results, you can't expect them to do the legwork. Ooh. We're going to have to harass him. Okay. We'll harass him. He seems like a nice guy. We should recreate some scenes from Creed. <gasps> yeah. Let's send him a locket with our pubes in it. Let's wait until he's climbed a certain number of steps and then take several photographs from various oh. angles. You know, I wonder how many people have done that to him. Like, hey, man, I saw a creep. Seems like you're into that sort I mean, of if thing. You were to, if you were to become a creep, you would need a target. That's true. Kind of happened to John Lennon. What? Stop it. Okay. So according to IMDb, that has a very simple... IMDb? I am blah, blah, blah. Here's the short summary of the plot. When a videographer answers a Craigslist ad for a one-day job in a remote mountain town, he finds his client is not at all what he initially seems. So it was a Craigslist ad. It had a Craigslist vibe, but I didn't really get I that. I think he what. says that. He does say it? Uh, yeah, I th- when he's in the car at the very beginning driving there, he, he I think he mentions Craigslist. There was a date listed in the lower corner of the screen, too, and I failed to take note of that, even though I had prepared by having a notebook and pencil. Yes, but you were so engrossed, you didn't take any notes. Did you? No, I didn't. You didn't? I wrote creep twice in the year. (laughs) Creep is creepy. Okay, so let's talk about, oh, well, a little bit of backstory after we watch some, well, first, I've seen this movie three times. Jason, is this the third time? This is the third time. Okay. This was Jason's first time viewing this movie. Mm-hmm. And we were going to do Motel Hell, but I'd had a rough day. And I was like, I don't want to see any gross stuff. Let's watch Creep. <laughs> I know you kept t- talking about how it was a rough day. And you didn't know if you were in the mood to watch Motel Hell. But we were clearly going to watch something a horror movie anyways i was a little confused that's my life yeah now i finally paid the membership fee for shutter and now that's literally all i watch it's like legalized opium it is i've but i've seen a lot of horror films that i'd never seen before is that why um we have all those adult diapers now yes yeah, so i don't have to leave you the don't couch have to get up. Yeah, i'll just clean you off <laughs> when i Would come you? home from work I'll just change you that would be great. Once before I leave, and then again when I come Set back. Set me up with a nice cold lemonade, some popcorn. That cool, refreshing drink. That cool, refreshing drink. So Creep is an indie film. Yes. Like ultra indie. This is... Here's what I read online. Patrick Bryce, who plays Aaron in the movie. The cinematographer. Yeah, the videographer. Oh, my bad. He... He was like in his last year of grad school or had just graduated grad school. His wife was a nanny for Mark Duplass. Duplass. Oh. So. Nepotism. Not really. They're not related. They're kind of related. Does that qualify? Maybe I don't know. If your wife takes care of someone else's kids, your family. Your family. 
in my book. Well, then everyone. <laughs> I know that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to go anywhere with that. All right. But. Patrick Bryce was. In any, any successful project is clearly only made possible by a woman. Yes. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Jason's a feminist. He. Who? Patrick Bryce had made a short film, a documentary short film. In grad school? In grad school. Uh, just in undergrad. He was going to Caltech in film studies. and So basically high school part two. Mar- yes. And Mark Duplass saw it and liked it, and they started talking. All the way in Canada? Not in Canada. I don't know. Just kidding. In Southern California. SoCal. And they started kind of talking and just having conversations about doing a project and this and that. And they Who doesn't want to hang out with their au pair's boyfriend? Right? So. <laughs> hey, man, I like the way you picked those jeans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So they started having conversations. Combos. Blah, 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 blah. Doodly doo. Bro. Bro. Bro, you know dude. what would be awesome, dude? Everyone from California who does a podcast, they, like, talk like this and, like, you know what I mean and stuff. And I still listen to those podcasts, but it's, like, a whole different language. I mean, it it, sure. it stands out. Sure. Jason grew up in California, so I, I can mock it. Sure. <laughs> you do mock it. I don't know. I don't mock it. I don't mock it. You did point out to me that I apparently scrunched some sounds together that I wasn't aware that I did. San Francisco. San Francisco. He says it. San Francisco. San Francisco. It's like five words. Yeah. He says San Francisco. Sounds racist when you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't explain it. I'm explaining it. Don't explain it. Keep going. DQ all the way. DQ. Hashtag tree resistance. You're not caught up or you would get that reference. I'm, you know, I'm a poser. (laughs) Okay. What was I talking about? They were having convos. No, wait. We were talking about something else. Oh, the things you say. He doesn't say abacus. He says abacus. I don't think that has anything to do with being raised in California. It does. And he doesn't say colander. He says colander. <laughs> you and I are the only two people I know who even say colander. What does everyone else say? Sieve? My grandma called it a strainer. A strainer. I've heard I hear a, a lot strainer. Of say strainer. I grew up hearing Siv. All right, we're, we're starting to sound more and more like an NPR program. And yesterday I found an apricot mm. in my butt. Mm. Okay. Salty. So delicious. I prefer syrup. <laughs> I prefer syrup. <laughs> that bit will be on YouTube. Okay. So they started talking. And it really wasn't, they weren't really writing a script. This is my understanding. They were more having conversations and sort of jotted down a loose idea of what right. the story would be. And it originally started out as a, it was going to be a psychological comedy. It was not meant to originally to be a horror film, but they would improvise the scenes and there would be 10 to 12 iterations of each scene, meaning the story could go anywhere from that point. Right. And then they would show these scenes to their friends and their friends would kind of guide them as to which one's the keeper. Mm. So as it evolved and different scenes were recorded and added, it just sort of turned, it took a dark turn into where it went. 
So you can tell at the beginning of the movie there is a comedic aspect because the character of Joseph, who is played by Mark Duplass, is ridiculous. He's over the top and he's funny. Yeah, I didn't get the sensation that there was a locked-in direction Mm -mm. at first. Yeah, and I like that because you don't really know where the movie's going to go. You don't watch it going, oh, I know what's going to happen. Okay. Oh, and... It was at the urgings of their friends who were watching the the scenes that they were like, oh, you know what? You should take this to a dark place. Makes sense, too. If you have kids, you could only really have friends if you have a nanny. (laughs) Okay. Who has time? That's true. I have friends, and we don't have a nanny. I don't have a lot of friends, but I technically have friends. Mm -hmm. But it's true. You just don't have enough time. I would have more friends if I had more time. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think I read that this was shot. It took about a year or a year and a half. But it's possible you dreamed it? It's possible that I dreamed it or dreamt it. Which is grammatically correct. Dreamed or dreamt. So, and I think they spent about $2,000 on it. Really? I think so. I, I, I listened to a podcast interviewing Patrick Bryce last night but it was long and the guys doing the interview were just like hey man tell us how you fucking made creep man like they weren't really asking questions so the poor guy was just kind of just jabbering see if you make them do all the work that's just (laughs) not fair I felt bad for him he was very gracious and professional but they just had no questions they clearly hadn't researched anything like Mm -hmm. they'd seen the movie but they Mm -hmm. that was it Mm -hmm. like high school sex yep (laughs) how would you know oh (laughs) just from all your stories oh my god okay uh so Let's get into the story here a little bit. So we start off with Aaron, who is Patrick Bryce. I I have something to say first. So $2,000 was their budget. I think. It's really creative, and but it makes me wonder how many of those clothes were their own. So just how many of those outfits does Mark Duplass own? Were those Mm. his regular running pants? Uh, No, but I did read online that that was a choice. That... Dressing in those weird, like, skin-tight jogging pants with the zipper on the butt was a a choice that he made for his character, and it was great. Especially at the beginning and then with the the tubby scenes, Mm. there was a kind of, I don't want to say homoerotic because there was nothing erotic about it, but there was a very bizarre... Unwanted, it was like an unwanted intimacy. Yeah. Unsolicited. Yeah, it was sexually implicit. Yes. So we meet Aaron, who is played by Patrick Bryce, who is not an actor. He's a filmmaker. And this was his first movie. Slash au pair boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That was my understanding. I only read that in one spot and couldn't find it again. Yeah, now she's his wife. Mm. Does she still take care of And he said that she was behind him going for it basically and you know becoming a filmmaker she kind of gave him that the hail mary speech like get off your ass and do something <laughs> i wonder if she'd seen mark duplass in the tub and was like he would be perfect for a, t- should... a tub movie yes 
And you get to that tub quick. Okay, let's start with Aaron. Aaron is driving down the road, talking to his camera, saying... You know, it looks like a Yugo. Something like, like that. A little yellow car. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, I've got this great job. I found it on Craigslist. It's $1,000 for eight hours. I'm just going to go and film this guy. He didn't really know any details. So he's heading out to a remote place in the mountains. And he drives through this very idyllic, cute little mountain town, small town. And it all seems really sweet. So he gets to the house. And there's this long set of steps winding. On the drive up, did you think that one guy standing in the street might be Joseph? There was the one, he was standing in the, just past the lake. And he's standing in the road in the opposite lane. Why do I not remember uh, this? Well, there was there was a person there. And it being my first time, I was I was on guard the whole <laughs> right. movie, you know. You One, you just thought it was so cool and you talked about it. I want to say that I read your review on your blog about the movie when you when you first wrote, uh, wrote it after you first watched it, but I didn't remember all the details. But some stuff did come back to me. Yes, I will share that review on our website. I, I have an old horror blog that I don't write on that much anymore called Drop Your Linen. And when I first saw, but it's Creep, still your Twitter handle. It's still my Twitter handle. I'm Drop Your Linen. <laughs> And I think at some point, maybe I'll write on that blog again, but probably if I write, it'll just be for our web, you know, for Popcorn and Pod People. But I'll slowly transfer those reviews over as we cover the movies they're about. And that review, when I shared it on Twitter, both Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass liked it. Nice. Nice. Thanks, guys. Takes a lot of effort. To press like? Yeah. Hey, there are some people that... There's so many options on Twitter. I mean, you could... Hit retweet or reply or flag comment for inappropriate content, but they hit like. Some people who are much less famous than them can't be bothered. So I... I I hope I'm not coming off as cynical. (laughs) You very much are, but... My apologies. when, When like a big famous actor presses like on something, I'm like... Hey, man, that's cool. Or woman. He does. And you know what? That only adds to the potential, the pseudo-Canadian mystique. Because he seems like a very genuine, real, down-to-earth person who is in it for the creative venture. Yeah. And how many famous actors do you know that are going to take a a new fledgling filmmaker under their wing and do a project with them? I doubt very She's a damn good nanny. I mean, I doubt very seriously. I don't even know if that's for sure true, so stop repeating it. But I read it somewhere. I can't remember where. So he gets to the house. He can't find Joseph. He goes up and knocks on the door. It's like this really long flight of steps going up to this cabin. It's a cute little cabin. And he knocks on the door. No one's there. He tries to call Joseph. No response. It's apparently been, you know, a long drive. He doesn't say how long, but it's implied that it's a long drive. And then he finally starts to leave. Oh, yeah, he goes down. He goes down the stairs and gets back in his car. That's when he sees the axe in the stump. Oh, he sees an axe in a stump. Back downstairs, yeah. Yes. So he gets in his car. He's about to pull out. And that's when we get our first of many, many jump scares. I thought the jump scares were fun but ineffective. I didn't actually jump until the one at the end, which right. I won't I talk about right now, but that's the only one I jumped at. And 
all of these seemed a little cheap, you know, and this one, Joseph comes up to the window really fast. I was like, hey, and scares the crap out of poor Aaron. And he's like, hey, man, I'm Joseph. And he starts kind of joking with him. He's got a real sort of new agey vibe. He's wearing a black running outfit, these tight leggings and a tight black running shirt. What makes you say new agey vibe? Because of all that, we're let me let's go in for a hug. We're gonna be hugging a lot, and you well, know that's just California. Is that just California? Yeah. That is not Texas. That's South Cal. Oh, they're just huggy. I mean, we hug, but mm. we're not that. You know, I don't know how to describe it. But to me, it seemed a little too open, a little too friendly. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is the point, I'm sure. So he he gets Aaron to come up to the house. And what's great is he's got this little zipper on the back of his leggings. His little running pants. Yeah, and he unzips it and pulls his key out. And I thought that was, finding out later that it was a choice, I thought it was a great choice because it's just so odd. And they made this, when when did they make this? 20? Well, it was released in 2014, so 2012, 2013. So it really predates the current craze with yoga pants and running pants. (laughs) Like now, you see them you know, everywhere. Yeah, these are not uncommon. I've never seen one with a little zipper. I have. Although, why every outfit does not come with a pocket, at least one pocket, baffles me. Everything mm-hmm. you wear should have at least one pocket. I mean, that particular version of the running pant, I mean, it, it's like it includes a fanny pack. Yeah. It's got a built in. And you don't want to wear a fanny pack. A, it jiggles up and down when you run. Stupid. Annoying. It's like a pair of unbound boobs just going up and down. It seems strange to want to keep your cell phone that close to any part of your lowers. Well, that's your ass end. So they go in the house. They start talking. He Joseph reveals that he's dying of cancer. And he's very lighthearted about it. He's putting a good face on. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know, I had liver, I had lung cancer, and I beat it. Uh, Now I've got a brain tumor. I have a wife, and and she's pregnant, and I want to make videos all on my life with Michael Keaton for my unborn son, who he just refers to as Buddy. We call him Buddy. And the first thing he does is says, I'm going to go get in the tub. And starts going upstairs. So Aaron, the camera, just stays at the bottom of the stairs. (laughs) He's kind of baffled. What am I supposed to do here? And Joseph is like, come on up. (laughs) He goes up to the bathroom. The door is sort of half cracked. He walks in and Joseph is taking his, he doesn't have a shirt on. And he's in the process, I think, of taking his pants off. Or they already... Oh, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, he's taking them off, and the tub is running. It's filling He's right up. at the pube line with the yeah, waistband. Yeah, like literally right at the pube line. I thought we might even get a look at the little Duplass. <laughs> Mini Mark. So, uh, Aaron is uncomfortable, and Joseph kind of just like, no, 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 it's okay. Nothing weird going on here. Kudos just, to them for getting right, too, because yeah. anytime someone takes a job on Craigslist to shoot video... You're just like, okay, when are we getting to the weird, kinky stuff? Yeah. And they they don't. Yeah, they didn't go through it. That would have been really kind of boring if they had gone through, like, okay, here's how you shave your face. And here's, you know, like you did in my life. Which is a, a really good movie. 
I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't know how it holds up, but it was good in the day. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. I, did you like it? Cried. Did you cry? Sure. I, I thought it was good. Of course, I know somebody who did that. So You know someone who made a movie for their unborn child it's, because it's they crap. were dying? No, they were born. Yeah, I, I worked with someone whose husband had a brain tumor. <gasps> And, and oh, I remember her. Yeah. And he made videos for them. Videos and scrapbooks. <sighs> and, yeah, all that. Oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Oh, I remember them. So sad. So it was a little strange. Yeah. And it, it was quirky watching. It was a little strange watching Mark Duplass play someone who allegedly has cancer. And at times seemed a little flip. I'm sorry. Is it flippant or flippant? It's I never, flippant. I can never remember what's, what upsets you. People, you do a flip. You are flippant. Let's just get what's that the def- straight. What's the definition of flippant? You know, blasé. Like, you make it less important than it actually is. Or you behave as though it's less important than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark Duplass came off a little... I'm sorry, Joseph came off a little blasé about his cancer. Yes. Yeah, he was very friendly about it. He's like, meh, no big deal. I'm going to probably die in a few months. And then it almost seemed like it would hit him at points. Oh, right, I'm supposed to pretend that I'm dying. And then he would get upset, like on a dime. Oh, Aaron, I don't want to die. When just seconds before he was being, you know, very lighthearted. So can I just say that as a spoiler... Joseph is lying. Yes. Throughout the whole movie. Yes. I think you only indirectly learn any real truths about the character. But I have to say that Mark Duplass's portrayal of Joseph as a character, it's really interesting, like the layers of lying and deception Mm -hmm. and the way that he creates this this persona and there are a lot of layers i kind of found him irritating i mean he is a creep he it, like it comes across and i have to say it's in retrospect my appreciation for this movie has grown considerably but in the moment i found myself questioning <laughs> my entertained whether or not i was being entertained It was just another night where you were thinking, what is she making me watch? (laughs) Because you've thought that thousands of times at this point. We've been married 13 years. (laughs) What is she? Or is it 14? No, it'll be 14 in December. People don't need to know that. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Now, if we don't get emails in December congratulating us. We'll cry. We're burying the lead here, which is tubby time. He goes right upstairs, gets in the tub. Right. We don't get to see little Duplass, but... We don't. Hey, I have a question for you. Do you think Mark Duplass wears glasses? And then if he sets them down on a movie set and can't find them, that all the little PAs are running around going, where are Duplass's glasses? I need Duplass's glasses! Or it'll be your asses! I don't think he does. All right. I'm pretty sure you can get uh, corrective surgery in Canada. It's, For free? It's covered, yeah. <laughs> I've never met a Canadian that wore glasses. Seriously? I can't recall any. You're full of shit. There has to be jackass. Okay. Just being a libtard. <laughs> Painting that euphoric image of the all things connect. 
Can you guys sense the love in this room? You jackass! <laughs> okay. Hey, if two nude people can't insult one another. If they can't make it work, right. then who can? Your mouth's doing this, but your hand... He's <laughs> also doing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where is it? So, tubby time. Tubby time. With jo- Buddy. With Buddy. Joseph tells Aaron... My buddy... My buddy, buddy. wherever he goes. Oh, wait. Wherever I go, you're gonna go, my buddy. (laughs) Sing it with me. My buddy. I would, but you don't know the words. My buddy and me. Do it. My buddy. My (laughs) buddy. Wherever I go, he goes. goes. Oh, my. No. Stop. (laughs) Okay. Did you hear that choir of angels? That was our voice. Yeah, we combining. totally <laughs> our earlier comments. Okay. So, They're full of shit. They suck. They're lying. Lying What bastards. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. So Joseph tells Aaron that when he was a little boy, the implication being here that he was a baby, and how would he even remember this? But he tells... I think that we... To stay at a level of composure, have to force ourselves to believe he must mean tubby time with daddy as a toddler because anything older yeah, is creepy. even stranger. But how would he remember it if he was not older than a toddler? Eight millimeter film. Okay. Super eight, baby. So he says he used to take baths with his dad and it was so much Who fun. Hasn't? And he caught me, I haven't. And he called it tubby time. So he proceeds to pretend to have tubby time with an invisible baby. Filming it so that way. So that he can basically have tubby time with Buddy because he thinks Buddy would want to watch this. At one point, he picks up something invisible as though he's picking up a piece of Buddy's body and he smells it and goes, ooh, like, ooh, stinky. He even says stinky. What is he smelling? Well, then he switches hands. So it does give the implication that it's a body part that, of which there's a pair. So, so either, feet. Either hands or feet. So if he's holding the baby by his feet, that means the baby's head is underwater. Correct? Maybe. <laughs> he's got his knees up. I mean. Okay. All right. And then another part, he's stroking the baby's head. Just out in the atmosphere in front of his chest. He's, he's making stroking motions. Yeah, he's gently leaning st- back in the tub at this point. Gently stroking an invisible head. His head between the candles he's lit. Yes, he's lit candles. The best thing is when he pours this water bottle, he pours it out into the tub and he makes this awesome face. I, I have a copy of that picture. It used to be my Twitter <laughs> My Twitter background picture because it cracks me up so much. I'll put it in the show notes. It's so funny. Mark Duplass does have a very expressive face. He does. Yeah. He does. So. Well, what I found really strange was that Aaron wasn't more freaked out already at this point. I mean, I guess a thousand dollars for eight hours work seems like a lot. Um, But that old adage, if it's too good to be true, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. I would have been out of there a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't have answered the ad in the first place. but So we we start to see reveals, little reveals of Joseph saying, switching his story. I did this. No, wait, I lied to you. You know, t- 
10 minutes later, I lied to you. So he tells, he shows Aaron where he's taking pictures of him coming up the stairs. This is after, so right after the tub, they decide, he says, you know, let's, let's get some fresh air. Let's clear that you're obviously a little freaked out by what's going on. And they go downstairs and he's like, you're going to need a jacket. It's cool outside. We're going to go hiking. There's one in the guest bedroom down here. You go look in the closet. And so Aaron goes and he pulls back the curtain that acts as the closet door and he's startled by what he finds there which is a a a full halloween mask wolf mask yeah where like a werewolf with yeah, an open like mouth big mask. teeth big hair this is meant to be one of those jump scares and mark duplass comes in is like oh i'm so sorry i forgot that was there it's just mm-hmm. peach fuzz my my dad wrote a whole song using peach fuzz apparently it's an heirloom and his family would come up to the cabin and da- uh, dad would adorn himself with the peach fuzz mask and then... And he improvised a song and, and a little dance right. that he did for the peach fuzz mask. But then he finds two hats and he's surprised when they're two of the same hat in his closet. Oh, he's like, oh, wow, we could be twins. Twinsies. So Aaron dons the hat. Joseph dons the hat. Did they have it on later? I, I, I guess I did. They see have it on. on. Yeah. They have them on when they're out in the woods. And, and then they, they go to find the. Uh, the Corazon something the, something. Yeah, the miraculous waters of the heart. Yes, which is something I feel like he must have made up. Do you think he made that part up? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think he knew about the heart. Whatever rock. depression. Yeah, in the stone. Yeah, there's a little. A recess or. An area in this outcropping of rocks that looks when you're on a cliff overlooking it it looks like a heart when you're looking down at it so he has told Aaron this cockamamie story about (laughs) the healing waters and the pure of heart and yeah and only the pure of heart can be healed and he he keeps trying to make Aaron participate this is where it really starts he wants to draw Aaron in like you see that at the beginning when he wants to hug on him, he's take his, you know, he takes his picture. Yeah, there's a lot of of kind of com- compelled physical interaction. Yeah, he he's trying to draw him in to be part of the story, as opposed to just having Aaron videotape him. So Aaron is getting tired. They've been out hiking, this and that, and. And so many red flags. So many red flags. You, you, it's clear to the viewer. I feel that Joseph knows where he's going. It stinks but of he's, manipulation. Yeah, but he's acting like he doesn't because he wants to be out there. He wants to be alone, you know, in this beautiful setting with Aaron. And he's already talking to Aaron, referring to him as my friend. You're my friend. We're close. Let's hug. You know, let's have these intimate moments together. Like, you come get in the water, too. Not intimate sexually, but intimate. Like, come and participate with me. You know, let's heal ourselves together. And and then when Aaron's starting to get really frustrated and tired and hungry, then Joseph says, we're going to go get pancakes. The best pancakes in the world. And in the pancake place... He turns the camera onto Aaron and it's like, no, you tell me something about you. Aaron tells this story about peeing his pants when he was a kid. And that's just another part of Joseph making it. I, I feel like trying to equalize the situation. Like, it's not just about me getting videotapes. You're going to do it too. 
we're equal. We're twins. We're buddies. I kind of want to be you. I want to be inside you. No? I don't, like <laughs> I don't feel like it's an equalization so much as it plays into the whole manipulation scenario because the more honest and revealing Aaron is, the more of a coup his own deceptions are or become. They're, they're elevated by Aaron's naive truthfulness. It's true, but what does Joseph ultimately want? He wants a friend, a real no, friend I who trusts we, him. We see exactly what he wants, and he. It. I feel like it's more of a game. Really? Yeah, it's a conquest. Well, that's interesting that you took that because I took it away. I mean, I guess different people must take it different ways. And now I'm wondering what other theories there are because in my mind, Joseph really wanted a friend, but he's just crazy, and he manipulates because it. To me, his manipulations were him wanting to get this friendship started and they are already super close. He doesn't want to wade through getting to know you time. He wants it to be now. And what's going to make it now is I'm dying. Give me what I want now. now I feel like it's a game up until the very end. There, there might be a hint of what you're talking about at the very end when he talks about Aaron being his favorite because you turned out to be such a trusting friend. But it's very one-sided, and it comes as a confessional revelation that only we're privy to. That's true. Because it's only something Joseph is revealing to himself. It's It's not in any of the revealings that he... or interactions he has with Aaron. So... It's like the Greek notion of truth, Aletheia. Heidegger talked about it, and it has to do with anything that's unconcealed or revealed, so a revelation. So truth is not something that's out there, but is something that becomes known. And Aaron is truthful. Aaron reveals, as far as we know, we we, we take for granted that he is speaking from an honest place he could be lying too right i mean it it, it it is it is a movie but right but it gives you the feeling in that that one conversation in the pancake house you do feel that aaron is being truthful you immediately figure that joseph is lying i mean don't didn't you kind of immediately think well "Well, the whole exchange is cheapened because even like the level of interchange aaron reveals something that's very personal and the gravity of it is far surpasses Joseph's little revelation that he he took pictures of Aaron as Aaron came up to the cabin and knocked mm-hmm. the first time when Joseph pretended not to be there. You know, I mean, that's not, it's not the same. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, to me, it was, to me, the manipulation was because he wanted something specific from Aaron. And I, I took that to be genuine love and friendship. But like you said, maybe there was more to it. Uh, I just, I definitely did not interpret it. It felt like just a game, or okay. it was a part of a program that that Joseph had done many times. Well, we do find out later that he's right. done it many times, I so that's it, true. That's I thought it was point. an interesting twist that that Joseph escalates. He always is escalating. So, like the the whole story with um, he escalates it with the account of his wife being into animal porn yes and then he that was so weird he takes it a notch higher to a whole nother level 
by saying that he at one point uh, basically rapes his wife mm-hmm. with the peach fuzz mask on. on because she's into animal porn, which he found out because his bandwidth was gone. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It was the no, weird that's story. not how it works. And Aaron was like, "I gotta go, man." <laughs> now I thought it was kind of a strange twist that where does where did Aaron have this like rape date? No, it was Benadryl. It was was just Benadryl. Benadryl. Oh, Uh okay. Joseph said it later. He said, I found the Benadryl. Oh, okay. I was was like, why does he have Rufinol? Yeah. um, When it's time for Aaron to leave, it's nighttime. Right. He can't find his keys. He's, it's obvious that Joseph has hidden the keys, even though he won't say as much. Right. So Aaron Benadryl's his whiskey. And Joseph falls asleep. And this scene where Aaron is basically frisking a sleeping Joseph. Joseph has fallen asleep, not on the sofa or the bed or even the floor, but on a rock fireplace. The hearth. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's the most uncomfortable place to fall asleep. You might as well be on the hood of a car. So Aaron is kind of going, trying to softly go through his pockets to find the keys, and Joseph keeps moving and moaning and groaning. I thought it was a really tense, well-done scene. There's a lot of... This is where the tension really starts to ratchet up. You know, it really starts to build, because especially it's dark. You know they're tired. You know Aaron is frustrated. You've been... I mean, we've all been in situations not to this degree, but where... A person that we don't know very well won't leave us alone and it's uncomfortable and you don't feel like you can just go, man, fuck off. You know, you feel like you have to be polite, especially to Aaron. This is a business transaction. Now he has already been paid. Joseph paid him right when he got there. Right. He handed him a wad of cash. So, I mean, at any point Aaron could leave. It's just that now Joseph is forcing him to stay. And Aaron at this point, and I feel like the viewer feels this too. You know, he's starting to feel nervous. Right. It's like, I've done my eight hours. Yeah, something's wrong here. And he doesn't, and he's drank whiskey too. So he's a little drunk, I guess. A little bit. He's not visibly drunk, but that's one of the things Joseph says is, you know, you're over the level, the limit. You can't. You can't drive home. It's dark outside. And Aaron's like, no, I got to go home. It's a long drive. I'm leaving. And that's where I, you know, it really does start to kind of ratchet up that tension in a, in a really good way. And to think it's all improvised is pretty cool. They didn't plan any of this. Right. You know, that, it's pretty neat. It's true. A lot of that tension, like you were talking about, it reminded me of the first few seasons of The Office and how uncomfortable <laughs> I would get. Yes. And there is that same vibe of improvisation and commonplace discomfort. I think what stood out for me, too, about Joseph was I really feel like most of us know someone who is that socially awkward. Yes. I don't think it's that uncommon for persons to be able to say they work with or go to school with or go to church with somehow at some level interact with someone who displays a large number of these qualities Mm -hmm. and maybe it's been historically commonplace i feel like it's a recent phenomenon that like it's increased that there are more alienated and i don't know 
socially displaced persons. It's true. They just don't fit in. People or don't seem to fit in. People are so isolated. It's kind of like that thing you said, alone together. You know, we can all be in the same room together, but when 80% of the people are looking down at their phones and not really speaking to anyone. Listening to a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jerks. Yeah. I mean, we were we were in a restaurant today eating lunch with our daughter, and there was a girl, a high school-aged girl, sitting at a table by herself talking so loudly on the phone that you could hear her wherever you were in the restaurant. And she was oblivious. She was having what was clearly a very personal and heated conversation that she didn't have any food in front of her. She could have gone outside, but she was just oblivious. And you see that everywhere. People feel like they're in their own little bubbles and that the world is going to operate for them the way that they want it to or need it to. And you see that with Joseph. It's like, I'm going to continue to do what I want to do, even though it's really not normal. I mean, it's like you said, he knows he's manipulating Aaron. He knows what he's doing. He's got to know he's weird to some degree. I mean, obviously he's a little nuts, but. But I think that's what makes it so. That's what builds the real tension is that it is commonplace it's Mm -hmm. not entirely unfamiliar and it is the fact that people can identify with a situation like that that heightens the the anxiety yeah is it going to go south oh yeah and you know it is i mean in the film you know that it's not going to have a good ending and and it doesn't but (laughs) (laughs) spoiler we warned you but and it's yeah I wonder on on some levels I I wonder if films like this kind of I wonder if they exacerbate the perception of the socially awkward loners mm-hmm. in the world who are predominantly white predominantly male. Um, now where are you getting these stats from? <laughs> I'm teasing. It does seem that way to me, but I don't have any statistics to. I mean, the majority of serial killers are. That's true. White, Not all, but you're right. Most of them. Yeah. yeah. And they do, I mean, they seem to have the most, your middle class wasp is the most socially displaced. What does wasp mean? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I did not know that. All right. It means you can sting over and over with the same stinger. No oh, way. yeah. Great. Wasp. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One hour. So, Aaron does get away. He gets home. Gets away. Yeah. Well, oh, the peach fuzz. So Aaron makes a run for it. Right. Keys or no keys. He just makes a run for it. And Joseph meets him at the front door, which is locked. And Joseph is standing in front of it with the peach fuzz mask on. And this is the best part. Grinding his ass on the door. Like, just sort of dancing around like, "Mm, you got to get through me if you want to go through this door. (laughs) And it's both hilarious and horribly disturbing at the same time. It's really good. And Aaron just dive bombs him. The camera falls on the floor. And they scuffle. You don't see the scuffle. And then Aaron is in his house. I, I wondered throughout if, well, not throughout, but after you told me that they improvised 
most of the film and the story and sort of the plot points. And I wondered if it was to the director's credit that he let Duplass just kind of run with the character Mm -hmm. or how much of it was actually a collaborative, oh, you should try this. Get, get your ass on the door. I mean, Patrick Bryce was the director. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering in scenes like that, with oh, Peach right. Fuzz grinding on the door, how much of that is just pure over-the-top Duplass, or if that is a, a, an example of their collaborative vision. I think probably a little of both, but Bryce being a neophyte filmmaker and Duplass being a seasoned you know, actor... I think he probably would have deferred to his, you know, I mean, I don't know that this is really how it went down, but in my mind, I see it as Duplass kind of taking him under his wing, you know, right? because he's done all this before, so kind of guiding him, but he seems like a nice guy, so it seems like he would let Patrick Bryce sort of direct when he needs to and he would respect that but i i could i don't know it just seems to me like that's how it would have worked duplass kind of he's been there done that right and this was bryce's first movie so so once aaron gets home you know that that's not the end of it <laughs> right they do a good job with the lighting they, they create a an ambiguous sense of security that quickly degrades mm-hmm. but they they shoot a lot of it in large swaths of yellow, bright yellow lights, a lot of sunshine, and it does keep it, keeps you guessing as to where it's going. There are some night scenes, and that's where Aaron gets the most anxious, because Joseph continues to make contact. and By sending him gifts and right. sending him videos. The videos start out creepy, then Joseph sends apologetic videos and gifts. And the gifts are creepy, but also apologetic at the same time. For instance, one is he sends a box with a video, a knife, and a stuffed wolf. And you're saying gift with the T, G-I-F-T, not gif. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just don't want people thinking that he sent him Joseph a gift? was sending him like little dancing baby gifs. Oh, I see. <laughs> so. But you're creepy. Yeah, no, I am creepy. That baby just came from tummy time. Mm-hmm. He's revved. So one, so he, the video tells him to basically implies that he should use the knife to open the wolf, and it, he does Instead that. Instead, he just fists it. Yeah, he, he basically finds a tear in its butt crack and fists it till he finds this locket. And why would you put your hand into? I know. A clearly would... psychotic person sends you an animal, yeah. tells you there's something, a stuffed animal, tells you there's something inside of it, and that you need to root around for it. I would not have even opened that box. No, I would not have opened that box. And he, when he opens it, that's another tense scene because he has to plunge his arms into all those packing peanuts. Yeah, I kept thinking of hidden hypodermic. Yeah, I'm like, you don't know what's in there. I kind of thought that Joseph might pop out, but then when he slides it in from the the patio, you realize, oh, it's not heavy enough to be a person. I mean, the first time I saw it, I thought, there's going to be a dead animal in there, you know, something. Aaron said he had an ex. Maybe they might have gone full on Fincher 7 and had, had his ex's Head, severed head inside the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? We're so mean. 
So then here's where the found footage aspect stops working because Aaron is doing things like he'll hear a noise and he'll turn on his camera and talk to it, which doesn't really make any sense. Just because you're a filmmaker or a videographer doesn't mean that you would. He, he wasn't, he wasn't worried about cataloging all of the incidences because he was throwing away the gifts that Joseph was giving him. So if he wanted to catalog it for future litigation, for instance, he would keep all that stuff and date it, you know? So why did he feel the need to video every single tiny noise that he heard? Or one time it was just a creepy dream that he had about Joseph and he wakes up and videos it. And then it gets even more silly when he's literally videotaping, videotaping himself sleeping. I wonder if that's a generational nuance though, that it seems more protruding to us. It sticks out more to us. Because we're not selfie people. Well, yeah, and I think there's so much more self-documentation, digital documentation yeah. that takes place currently of course, at, now that at I'm a level fi- that makes us uncomfortable. Yes. <sighs> where I don't think that, like, it is a little incongruous. It doesn't quite jive. It doesn't make the perfect sense. But now that I think about it, Maybe Joseph was taping him sleeping because then the camera's lifted up and clearly Joseph. Well, that scene is clear that Joseph has the camera. And is taping him while he sleeps. Yeah. Because at first I was thinking, why would you videotape yourself sleeping? Yeah, that makes no no sense. Okay. Okay, I think. And that was one of those dumb scenes where Aaron is lured with the series of sounds outside his home. Yeah. And you're like, you don't exit your home at night and leave. And he walks around the home. Basically leaving the front door open. Rookie mistake. Yeah. BTK. Don't go outside, period. Yeah. This is... They play on another very real anxiety. It is hard to initiate legal action in those types of situations where it was very clear to us. It's Mm -hmm. very clear to Aaron that there is a, a potential for real violence. There's a man stalking him. Right. But without... I mean, you basically have to be already a victim mm-hmm. for something to happen. I think, too, it's because it was a man stalking another man. that they the Because he calls the police and the right. police just blow him off. And he doesn't know the guy. He doesn't know Joseph's last name. He doesn't know where he lives. He has really no information. I don't know, though, too. I feel like if it had been a woman, I don't know that. You don't know that they would. You want to believe that the reaction would be different. True. But it might not be. As we have personally experienced, for persons to get hauled into jail, to be arrested for a crime, they have to do. It has to escalate to a, a very visceral and intense point before something can take place, before That's police true. action. Police intervention can take place. And so that there is that anxiety. It's, do I have to be uh, stabbed or shot and bleeding before something gets done? Right, can take. And uh, I, I mean, that, I think it's, it's a genius because it's a yeah. real, it's a real anxiety a lot of people have. Because that's one of the things you do in horror movies or even suspense movies is you are telling them, call the police, you know, do this, do that. Well, he does that. And gets no response. Mm-hmm. So that's a, when that level of help is cut off. It's like, you're on your own, buddy. 
that does add tension to it. Right. Because whatever happens from here on out, you know, nobody's going to help you. I found myself going into psychological defense mode at this point in the, the film and trying to imagine. In situations like that, since I was a, probably in my teens, I really felt like you could only survive crazy with crazy. Yeah. And so I started to create these scenarios of how would you try to out crazy someone like that? And I, I really, I, I envisioned if I th- thought I was being followed or stalked that I would just start initiating just super bizarre behavior, you know, like stopping in the middle of intersections or doing anything I could to draw undue attention to myself in public places or, or, or just, you know, standing or sitting in, in strange situations for prolonged periods of time. Um, you know, just bizarre behavior and activity. So you wouldn't be desirable to him anymore. (laughs) I, I don't know. I just, I think maybe as a sort of a defense mechanism or, yeah, maybe I mean, wolves don't hunt other wolves, that sort of thing. Do you think that if Patrick had responded, like called him up and said, man, I love this locket or yeah, I will stay tonight and have another drink with you. I'll leave in the morning. And if he had come back at Joseph with the friendliness that he pretended to want to elicit from Aaron, do you think that it would have gone the same route? Like it would have frustrated him because his manipulation to spook Aaron wasn't working. No, I, I do feel that I do feel that he, is he a sociopath or is he a psychopath? I don't know. I know. I'm not really up on the definitions. We just say nuttier than a squirrel turd. But I, I, I feel like Joseph knows what he's doing to the extent that, when there is a gear shift, he responds and he always wants to escalate it. Mm-hmm. So he's not looking for common ground. He f- just adapts to every scenario. And how can I twist it? How can I turn what's happening right now on its head? Mm-hmm. And there is a distinct end to his means. He has a goal in mind and it's always to get closer to that goal. And I think if, if, if Aaron, if the Aaron character had acted differently, it, I think the only thing that would have changed is maybe what Joseph reveals at the very end, his, that confession on camera. True. Which I think is the only true Joseph moment we experience. That joy. We see like joy. Well, and then, and, uh, there's, we a, there's a hint of respect. Yes, he does. And regret. Potential regret. Potential regret. Because it's like, hmm. You know, this guy, because I, I, I mean, we're just coming out to say it. This is, we discover that this is a pattern. This is a repeated game, which opens up so many questions about. Well, you got to tell them what happened. If you haven't seen the movie, Joseph lures Aaron in, out, in to final a, video, out to a says. lake and says, look, we're out in a public place. I just want to talk to you. So, I realized that I was in the wrong. Yeah. there's. I, man, I manipulated you. And he's right. There's homes all around the lake. There's a, a road that you can see cars going by. It's a public it's open a area. That Aaron passed on the way to the cabin. Yes. So Aaron gets there and he's got a camera going in his car, kind of like a dashboard cam pointing at the bench where he's going to meet Joseph to have their discussion. He also has his phone preset to speed dial 911 if he needs to. And we know this because he said it all. Because he says camera. it to the camera. 
So he goes to the bench. He sits there. He kind of looks around a little bit. Then he just sits there and looks out at the lake waiting for Joseph. Joseph shows up in a trench coat, a trench coat and he's got an axe hanging down by his right leg. Aaron doesn't hear him. Doesn't he's, hear he's him. creeping up behind him. We're watching all this. It's very tense. On the, on the camera. Yeah, it's completely silent because you're inside the car. Right. It is so creepy and so tense. And you you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you see the axe. You just barely, it's very subtle. You, you know, see, but you don't. But you don't. Yeah. Because he has scared Aaron so many times without harming him. Right. That you think... Maybe he's just going to scare him, and maybe Aaron's going to turn around and kill Joseph. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, I hadn't thought about that, because you were talking about how the scares almost feel ineffective, but in that they create a level, a sense of you're able to suspend the notion, the inevitability of him being killed with the axe, because you maybe you're thinking, well, maybe he's just going to spook him. Right. And when he puts the mask on... When he reaches into his coat and pulls out peach fuzz mm-hmm. and puts the mask on. You think he's going to scare Aaron. But then he raises the axe over his head. And fuck. And it doesn't. There's no blood spray. There's no gore. Even when Aaron's sitting like slumped to the side, there's no dripping blood or anything. It's not graphic. What is so disturbing about that second is the sound. Because normally, I guess they would have Foley artists that they've paid a ton of money to to whack a watermelon with an axe and make this big, chunky splitting sound. But it's just this very dull, you know, it is so creepy and gross. I mean, that whole scene is so tense to me and so scary. And you don't know, by that point, you don't know what to expect because all through the movie, they've sort of bucked tradition because what you're thinking when he reaches into that box that Joseph has sent him, you think, oh, there's going to be a head in there or a dead animal or something. And there's not uh, there. And there's lots of moments like that. Where, and I feel like it's a there's a knowing nod towards that when it is a stuffed animal. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, you thought it was going to be an animal. Uh-huh, exactly. It is an animal. But it's so brilliant because. By the time you get to the end, you don't have a clue what's going to happen, really. I mean, you seemed like you were pretty sure that Aaron was going to be killed. I wasn't. The first time I saw this, I didn't know what was going to happen. Because they had kind of gone against the tropes all the way through. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this could be anything. He could scare him. Aaron could kill Joseph. Someone else could mug and kill both of them. I don't know. Maybe just because I... I feel like it was marketed as a horror movie or the fact that I don't, I don't know. I don't know to what level reading your review. And when I read it, it was under the assumption that I would probably never see this film. (laughs) Um, I can't say how much that might've influenced my perception of the inevitability of it just being a murder that he was going to be murdered. Uh, And maybe if I wasn't aware of that, I might have held out more hope maybe. for a different. Ending. Maybe it's your horror movie innocence too. Like you just haven't seen the quantity that I have. <laughs> so maybe when something goes against, you but know, the usual. The yeah. Well, that's true. You have a talent for assuming the worst and remembering things that didn't happen the way that you think they happened. 
Jason will tell me, no, I can't watch that movie because at the end, everyone dies, even though that is not what happened most of the time. <laughs> Only with Dawn of the Dead. Everything else. What movie can I watch because everyone dies? You've said that several times. The Andromeda Strain. Uh, Do they not? Everyone doesn't die in the Andromeda Do they not Strain? die in that? Do they find? I thought they didn't find a cure because the epileptic lady screwed it up. Well, I don't know, Jason. <laughs> But I know that there are several times when you've told me, I can't, oh, let's just, we're skipping all this. Yeah. Okay. We digress. Um, so in conclusion, well, after the, the killing of Aaron, Joseph goes, he's in his house. He's no, in, no, 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 wait. So there's acts to the head. Uh-huh. And then there is the most effective jumps, jump startle. Yes. That's the one that scared me. Yeah. Because we are watching... Through the car window still. We are the camera left in the car. And there is Aaron's body is slumped to one side of the bench. Kind of laying half, half laying, half sitting. Mm -hmm. And that's where your eye is drawn. So you're just staring at it. Yeah, I was was wondering why, how was Joseph able just to leave it there? (laughs) And, and then Joseph's face appears in the window. And it makes you piss yourself yeah that was the jump scare that got me right and then it switches joseph has the camera now he's talking he's reviewing the film he's watching he's watching himself yeah of him killing aaron and he's talking like oh yeah i remember you know this was great whatever you were smart too Mm -hmm. but then why not look around yeah Yeah, why wouldn't you look behind you yeah and that's that leads him to to the realization that Aaron did trust him and thought he was a good person, that ultimately he wouldn't hurt him. That's to me that underscored the game aspect of the prey and the hunt, the hunter and the prey, mm-hmm. because I think for Joseph, most people at that point were already on the run. They understood they were being hunted. They understood they were in danger, and. What strikes Joseph as strange and different was that it was at that level, but something in Aaron kind of breaks down and opens himself up, makes himself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And Joseph takes advantage of it because he's still playing the game. But in reviewing the footage, he's like, oh, Oh, you you really were trying to, you really did believe that, that I needed a friend and you were trying to be a friend. You know what struck me? And I was thinking about this. Late last night, after we watched the movie, you know, he introduces himself to a new videographer on the phone. He's like, yeah, Bill. this is Bill. Oh, no, he says he's Bill. He yeah. introduces himself as Bill. And you were like, does he, you asked me, does he use a different name with everyone? And I said, yeah, I don't think we know his name. But then I was thinking, no, wait, Joseph must be his real name because his sister, when... Aaron talks to her on the phone. She says, Joseph? So, Joseph must be his real name. So, why did he use his real name with Aaron, but uses different names with other people? That's the only thing that stands out in my mind as a strange loose end. Because I'm not really sure where the Angela character falls in line as far as what is real about her. We We know she's not... The wife, but is she really a sister? Right. 
is oh she could be anyone right was she a hired actor that no because she warned Aaron to get out of the house or you think that she might have been hired to tell him that right I mean there's that potential that is true so you don't really know that's true that adds a whole nother because level. if it, if it is a sister that knows that her brother has these violent tendencies knows enough to warn the person to get out mm-hmm. but is somehow not doesn't know where her brother is to have the authorities stop him from killing people. Yeah, like, hey, I'm going to send my dad, you know, I'm going to send the police out to, because Joseph told Aaron it was his dad's cabin. Right. Obviously, I guess it wasn't. It was just a rental, we learn later. Now, I'm inclined to believe that she genuinely is somehow connected, is a relative, a sister to Joseph, because Joseph is knocked out by the Benadryl. Or incapacitated. And that wasn't unplanned. He didn't see that coming. And it wasn't until he found the Benadryl later. And the character, Angela calls. But Aaron's the one that says, is this Angela? Does she ever really say, this is Angela? I don't know. She just says, Joseph? Like she thinks it's him. Right. That's that adds a whole nother weird lasagna yeah. layer. And perhaps we'll see more about. There's that. gonna be a creep too, yeah, and it has begun and production. He's got a creep three. Yeah, it's gonna be a trilogy, which is cool. Right. It won't have Aaron in it, but Patrick Bryce will be directing Creep Two, so I have very high hopes. So maybe what more will be revealed? Because there are some kind of plot holes that work. You know, it works to have these. I bet the next one happens in Canada. Well, that's where Mark Duplass is from, and he wants his mom to have a cameo. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> He's going to do his own stunts, and he wants to be somewhere where he can get... Free health care. That's right. Free... <laughs> exactly. Medical coverage. So what was great from this movie, I thought they did a good job with uh, creating mood. They, they played off some interesting anxieties and tensions that I think are very real. Mm-hmm. Um Mark Duplass is brilliant. He characterizes this person so perfectly. And he goes against the types of previous characters that he's played. You know, there are some actors that you see them and they kind of do the same character in everything that they're in. So then when they do something different, like when Steve Carell played that creepy guy in Foxcatcher. Right. Or when Adam Sandler did Punch Drunk Love. And people didn't know how to respond to it. I think it's like, it's not even an issue here. Definitely. He is comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And it, I found it both, both realistic and, and slightly unrealistic. I don't know many people that are that comfortable, even when they're not being filmed. But he was cray cray. But when, when, during tubby time, I mean, he is not fat in any way. No. He's, he's fairly fit. And, but he's not ripped. Yeah, he's not perfect. And he's sitting in the tub. And, like, I couldn't help but notice the the, the little, the way his little pecs kind of folded over. Mm-hmm. Like a, a normal In a slightly being. unflattering way. Yeah. But he's... He doesn't care. He's not, he's not thinking about that. He's in. A, he's so into the character. And yeah. The, and, and there's just this level of realism. I think he's a very handsome man but there he he's not perfect right you know he has you know it's kind of the receding hairline and he has kind of a not super hollow hollywoody hair haircut right but um 
I mean, he's clearly he has a good stylist. At this point, though, one of my biggest complaints is when people look too perfect in the movies. Mm-hmm. And I am inclined to care more. I think it's subconsciously I care more about characters who look like normal people that I would meet or know in my real life. Right. When they're completely perfect from head to toe with their blowouts and their makeup on, even when it's raining and they haven't eaten for five days, that bugs the living crap out of me. So if Jacob or Joseph had been ripped and perfect and had the perfect five o'clock shadow, he wouldn't have been awkward and weird. He would have been this handsome dude. You know, it would have... It would have been a whole different movie. I think the only person that Christian Bale makes it work in American Psycho. Yeah. But it's because American Psycho, both the book and the movie, are about narcissism, 80s narcissism to the extreme. Yeah. So when he's a chiseled Adonis, it makes perfect sense and it adds to the character. Whereas I think I think du- Duplass, his, his characterization, one, he knows his strengths mm-hmm. and he is... I really kind of think of him as an auteur, not just as an actor, because I really feel that he's involved in the creative process at every level. Mm-hmm. In all his projects, he seems really invested. He just seems like a nice guy, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We could be wrong. Well, Maybe so he's an ass. Maybe he's Canadian. I mean, but he seems really life. nice. <laughs> he just seems like a nice guy. I've never met a myopic, mean Canadian. It's funny how some people just have those faces, too, that you think they're... I'm convinced that Steve Carell is the nicest person on earth. I mean, he plays an idiot in the office. You know, 40-year-old virgin. He's kind of silly, but nice. I just think he's got to be super nice. I don't know what it is about him that makes me think he must be so, so nice. And not to impugn the niceness of Patrick Bryce's face. He looks like a nice guy, too. Anyways... I think we both, I, I already knew that I really liked this movie and that's why I recommended it. I knew I wanted to cover it at some point and I didn't want to watch any guts. So <laughs> after sleeping on it and thinking about it throughout the day at work and the, the more I've ruminated, the more I appreciate and can say I enjoy the film, mm-hmm. enjoyed the film. It gets under your skin. It for sure gets under your skin. Like, you'll watch it, and you might have just meh feelings at first. Maybe not. I liked it right away, but I could see how some people, you know, they they might not be into it that much, but it gets under your skin, and you think about it. And then the next day, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it kind of just makes you take a second look at it, whether you want to or not, that yeah, I really like it. I think it's brilliant and really well done. And the more I read about how it was mostly improvised and just sort of a thing that two friends got together and did, you know, it's amazing. That sort of thing is tried all the time and you never see it because it's not any good (laughs) most of the time. And in this case, it was really, really good. And I'm looking forward to Creep 2 and Creep 3, Creep Dose and Creep Trez. The creep triptych. The creep triptych. The creep cubed, if you will. All right. What was bad about the film? Mm. I'm still not a su- super 
fan of found footage. I love found footage. It's kind of shaky. There was some shaky cam at the beginning, but not so much later. It just feels a little forced. If you have the right premise, found footage can be done well. If you have a crap premise where it's like, we're a bunch of teenagers and we just film everything and someone found it later and pieced it all together, that doesn't always work. But in this case, it made sense. The only thing that got silly was, like I said, when he was sort of video journaling. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. Unless, if they had established that it was something he already did, which I guess they were kind of trying to do at the beginning because he was talking to his camera on the drive up. So maybe they were kind of trying to establish, like, look, he does this. Mm -hmm. So it won't be weird when he does it later. But considering that how they improvised it all and... And the story took all these different turns. I don't know if that was a planned thing to tie those two pieces together or not. Right. It would be interesting to talk to one of them and find out. (laughs) I do have questions. But that would really be the only thing that stood out to me as bad. Not not even bad, just questionable. Mm -hmm. Or stood out if I have to pick one thing that I thought was weird or weakest link, that would be it. I will say that they they stick to it and... There is a, a good continuity they mm-hmm. maintain. Because you're, you're right, it doesn't devolve into who's who and why is this found footage happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like detectives found this camera by the lake under this bench. Right. And a single drop of blood next to it. You know, it wasn't like that. Well, I can say I'm looking forward to the upcoming installments. Yay! Might be a while. It took a couple of years to even get Coop 2 going. Right. <laughs> so it might be a little while before we get them all. But you don't have to take our word for it. Go and watch the film. It's on Netflix. Go for Tubby Time. Stay for Peach Fuzz. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, that's what I got to say about it. Me too. We, we both liked it. It's uh-huh. a good movie. Check it out. Be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash popcorn and pod people. We, you can follow us on Twitter at Popcorn and PP and visit our website. Be sure to visit our website at www.popcornandpodpeople.com where you can find show notes and all sorts of goodies. And you can shop for our tea public teas and sign up for a bumper sticker. Send us an email, leave us a review on iTunes, give us those five magical stars. Tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening. Let us be your deep, dark secret. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jennifer. Let's Let's go go get get some waffles. waffles. And then do tubby time.